Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Popper with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. And uh, we're getting close to the NFL draft inside of two weeks. A lot of excitement with regards to that. But Carl, I know you want to get something off your chest. Because our buddy Michael Lombardi, uh, a couple of days ago, yesterday, Friday, Mm -hmm. Uh, sent out a tweet in his podcast, and he talked about the disease of me seeping into the Giants locker room and that Coach Dable has to nip this in the bud. And then uh, Bucky Brooks kind of followed up with it a little bit more. And I know you've got a lot on your chest that you want to just get off right now. Yeah, so um, my timeline filled up with this. People were sitting there wanting to know my opinion, and it was just too much to type. So I'm like, okay, let me just put this out here. But just so for people who haven't heard this, this is Mike Lombardi uh, talking about the Giants locker room. Hold on. Daniel Jones, but now you're not going to pay Saquon. You're not going to give Dexter. Everybody in that locker room, Everybody in that locker room knows the reason they won wasn't because of Daniel Jones. He had something to do with it, but he didn't carry the team. The players know this. You can't con the players. They know this. Mm -hmm. And so there it is, right? Chronic feeling of underappreciation. Saquon feels underappreciation. Daniel doesn't, but Saquon does. Dexter does. And so this, this is what happens. And they didn't win enough, and they're not good enough as a team to be able to kind of go through this. Like th- they didn't win a championship. They won nine freaking games and beat a shitty Minnesota team and got their ass kicked. They're not good enough to have the disease of me. You pay Daniel Jones. So there it is folks. So that's, that's um, Mike Lombardi, good friend, um, worked with him, worked uh, when he was in personnel with the Cleveland Browns. Bucky Brooks, I'll read that. So let me first say, in regards to both. Um, uh, let me just Mike, give Mike credit. It's called the GM Shuffle Pod. Okay. Since we, since we used it, okay? Okay, yeah. GM Shuffle Pod by DraftKings, I believe it is. So, um, so Bucky Brooks and Mike Lombardi, both guys I personally respect um, because they've been on both sides of the issue negotiating contracts as a player and negotiating contracts as a general manager. So um, I respect the points of view, but I don't necessarily respect, and it's, it's, it's actually a little bit shocking that uh, Mike Lombardi we go with a narrative that is not as informed and he's just spinning. And that's the part that I'm not disappointed because it's a podcast and people say stupid shit all the time. You can have these theories about locker rooms and because both guys have either been in a locker room or managed a locker room. And I know that Mike Lombardi knows what a dysfunctional locker room looks like because he brought Pepper Johnson and I to Cleveland to clean up that shit. It was a disease of me locker room that was before bad. we got there, right? So I know he knows what disease of me looks like because he's been there, right? He's been in Oakland 
and he had a quarterback there that they the players didn't respect. So he knows what it looks like. And the Jamarcus Russell thing was a teachable moment, I'm sure, for him as a professional, right? So he can speak on, in theory, what a dysfunctional locker room is. Um, Bucky Brooks, and both of these guys are Super Bowl champions. Bucky Brooks has been in locker rooms. He's been in a winning locker room, and he's moved around the league a little bit. So he understands the dynamic of locker room. But here's the thing, folks. I haven't seen either one of those guys in the Giants building. Now, Bucky may have been there because he works with the network. I know for certain I haven't seen Mike Lombardi in East Rutherford in a very, very long time, years. Not since Joe Shane took the job. So you can speak in theory what some of these things can do. But here's where Mike goes off the rails because he makes it seems like they paid Daniel Jones and said, screw the other guys. That's not the case. No, I mean, Joe listen, Shane, they, listen their, their offer their, their offer to Barkley was somewhere in the range of around $12 million a year for sure. three years. Um, the Barkley side clearly wanted more than that. So at that point, it became uh a, a negotiating situation where once they got the jones deal done they used the tag on barkley the running back market is has gone depressed the giants pulled that offer off the table and they're going to do a wait and see they still want to keep them and the same thing with dexter lawrence they they want to dexter's, keep dexter lawrence. dexter's contract is not up yet is it no they, he's going to play on the fifth year option right. and rightfully so they want to extend him out Correct. To create room. So this is all part of what the business of the it's NFL called is. negotiations, number one. But Mike Lombardi knows that. But don't paint this as a dysfunctional locker room. Don't sit and say that Dexter Lawrence feels unappreciated or that uh, Saquon Barkley feels unappreciated. No, they're happy for their teammate because he got his money. Their time is now. This is negotiations. Mike knows what that is. There's no, if, if, if unless he's talked to those players or those players' agents, then you can't spin like these guys are disgruntled and they're upset because they're not getting their money. I haven't heard Joe Shane, nor have I heard um, Mr. Mara, Mr. Tish say, we're all tapped out. We gave Daniel Jones everything we had. We're tapped out. Take what we got. It's a process. Correct. And, and what, when Daniel Jones had these workouts in Arizona where he gathered all the receivers and Saquon was working with him. Yeah. So, so he's, and, not, and, he's and, not exactly and, disgruntled. And and there's video of Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams pulling the sled together, like synchronized swimming. So, I mean, yeah. Okay. So the reports are they're not going to show up for the uh, voluntary offseason program, which begins on Monday until Saquon Barkley signs the franchise tender by collective bargained agreement. He is not obligated to do that. And why would he do that? And why would he sign that at this point in time? He's going to try to use a little bit of leverage to try to get his deal back up to where he wants it to go. Sure. That's it. It's just business. It's not it's personal, business. it's business. And But we, we've gotten to the point to where you'll have a guy who spins your, the narrative like the team is headed for disarray and the coach has got a problem on his hands. 
the coach has done a great job of building a culture. Um, both Dexter and Saquon Barkley, I'm sure feel very appreciated on that team. They're not disgruntled. They're negotiating. It is April. Uh, training camp starts in July. If you don't have a contract, or if you haven't signed your contract, you're under no obligation to voluntarily participate in anything. But Saquon Barkley volunteered to go work out with his guys out in Arizona with Daniel Jones. I don't... I don't understand. It's really weird that Mike, and I know he's on a podcast and he's given an opinion, but it's a reckless opinion because he knows better. Um, and what he doesn't know, he probably should either inquire and speak on something from a more knowledgeable base before you start seeing guys feeling unappreciated. No, they don't. Those guys know what this organization is and what the organization means to them. And then, you know, to say that Saquon carried the team, and especially down the stretch, that's telling me you didn't watch a lot of Giants football because Daniel Jones down the stretch was the offense. You know, he was running for almost 100 yards, throwing uh, for over 150 yards. So I'm not understanding unless it's you're taking a shot at Joe Shane for saying they paid the wrong guy, the most important position on the field is quarterback. I have always and will steadfastly be an advocate for players making as much money as they can get, period. I think the mindset of the NFL player today is not the pocket watch's teammate but it's to make sure that they can get as much as they can. And until a team says we're tapped out and we gave one guy all the money and we don't have anything left for you, then let the, the process play out, you know, and you know, Bucky wrote, let me see what he wrote. Game manager plug, game manager plus. Yeah, and you know what? I'm okay with that. If, if that's your opinion, Bucky, I, I can respect that. But that's not, right? I'm going to just tell Why? you right now. Go ahead. That, that, this is, go let, ahead. Me, let me just read what Bucky says. This happens when you overpay the QB1. The locker room knows the QB is special or not. Okay, locker room knows. Operative phrase. And when the team pays franchise money for a manager plus, it's hard for the stars to settle for lesser pay. Nor should they, Bucky. You know that. Giants got to fix it or it could wreck the squad. Number one, they paid him what they thought he was worth. Number two, when you say the locker room knows, then either you're talking to somebody in the locker room and you should say players in the locker room don't believe he's that special, right? You can't put that out there like, oh, the players don't like Daniel Jones and now they can't pay these other guys. No, Bucky, you've been in there. And whatever your opinion is of Daniel Jones, I will respect that because you have played the game, right? You played with a, a Hall of Fame quarterback. So I know you get that part, right? But 
the value of that quarterback and what he means to this team, they paid him according to what they thought his value is, right? And we're in an era, and I'm further removed for it, but, but Bucky is too, where the money is greater than anything we've seen. So they didn't overpay him because they still have money left to pay guys. And that would be reckless on Joe Shane's part to say, hey, we're going all in. We're going to throw all of our chips at Daniel Jones and we're going to just, you know, it would be one of the Mike Dicker type deals. And that's not who Joe Shane is. You know, he is yet to be irresponsible in drafting or signing free agents or managing a salary cap or a budget. So it's just kind of, it's kind of weird when everybody is triggered and now fans are triggered uh, by some of these narratives. It's not, it's not opinion. The opinion was what, what Bucky thinks of Daniel Jones. And I can respect that, right? Cause that's his opinion, but that's not what his teammates think. And unless you can tell me you spoke to five starters and none of these guys think he's special, then he's not special to you, but it means something to them in the chemistry of locker room does not uh, rely on the opinions of outsiders. That's what you need to know, folks, fans. The chemistry of locker room relies on the people inside that's fighting for each other. People on the outside who never entered the building, they can't tell you what the culture is. What you see is a group of guys playing hard for each other. They play hard for their coach. They got a, a front office who seems to be, to this point, managing the finances well, the personnel well. They're getting the coaches what they need. The coaches are coaching them, and the players love playing for them. So to introduce a reckless narrative, it just makes no sense. Right. It's got the fans that are in a tizzy. And I'm going to just – I'm going to give my two cents on this, Carl, because, listen, again, Bucky Brooks – Mike Lombardi and, and a lot of other people out there think Daniel Jones is a game manager. Plus that's their opinion of the bottom line here is this, when this regime came in, they could have picked up Daniel Jones, fifth year option, or they could not. They did not because they didn't want to be tied to him until he proved to them that he can play in their system. He could absorb what they're doing. They see a lot more upside. And, and even for Giants fans out there, they're the Daniel Jones, they're not big Daniel Jones fans. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what the naysayers think. They would not have given him that contract or even entertained that contract if they didn't believe there's more to him than what everybody else sees. First of all, I remember Phil Sims told me this. This was a long time ago, but after his playing days, he said, you know, the quarterback has to be one of the toughest guys on your team. And Daniel Jones' toughness is respected by his teammates throughout that locker room. So he's got that going for him. And B, Brian Dable and Joe Shane could have easily said, let's play out the fifth-year option. Yeah, you know what? He looks kind of like just a game manager. They could have then said, we're moving on. We're going to go bring in Derek Carr or we're going to go play for, make a play for one of these other guys. 
or we're going to use a draft capital and move up in the draft and go draft somebody because the guys in the draft are better than Daniel Jones. Instead, they said, we got to get a deal done with Daniel Jones because he's part of our solution, not part of our problem. Sure. Now, again, there's a lot of Giants fans that don't agree with what I'm saying. They're not Daniel Jones fans. And there's a lot of people outside that felt that when the Giants took him in the first round out of Duke, that it was a massive mistake, just like um, Andrew Thomas was a massive mistake by most of the draft prognosticators. This staff believes in this quarterback. So, and, and he and Saquon are tight. They're, they're, they're all really tight. So it's just business to quote the Godfather. It's, it's not it personal. Is. It's just business. And this is the business time of year. If right. we get into August and September and this crap is still going on, then the narrative may change a little bit how people right. feel. But right now it's just the art of the deal and figuring out when you're going to get it done. That's, yeah, that's all and, I got to say on it. Yeah. And, and, and again, folks, let the process play out. The players are not the bad guys. The organization's not the bad guys. They're not feeling unappreciated. They're negotiating. That's what this is. Mike Lombardi knows it because he's negotiated contracts before. It's April. You're not close to training camp. If this thing draws on, you're going to hear more narratives. But until until this thing gets done let's not assume that the players are the bad guys or the organization joe shane has not done anything to make you think that he hasn't been responsible with the cap with his personnel moves and his judgment nonetheless because like you said they didn't come in saying hey we're all in on daniel jones daniel jones had to show them something in order for him to even get to this point of getting a new contract and then getting a contract that they felt uh, either he's growing into or he's he's worthy of, but they believe that this is a fair number for him. And they had to get him done. They couldn't go right. reverse. You could not go right. reverse because the franchise tag for Daniel Jones would have been too high. And that right. would have messed up everything else for your salary cap and your ability to go out and get free agents. It had to go in this order. But it only would go in this order if they believed it was worth it from a football right. standpoint. And and I'm a we'll, we'll we'll put a punctuation mark at the end of this. But there is nothing wrong with the Giants' culture or the Giants' locker room. Mike. Has, if he's not in the building and he's not talking to some of these players, then that's a reckless narrative. Um, but he knows what a bad locker room is. He's been a part of a few of them. Um, and I helped him clean up in Cleveland, Pepper Johnson and I, right? He knows what the disease of me is, where one guy looks at another guy's pocket on that team and says, I need to get more to him, or how come you're not paying me this much? Right. That's not what's happening with the Giants players. It that. doesn't even happen. As a matter of fact, you got other players in the league advocating for other players because they want these guys to get more money. Right. Micah Parsons is fighting with Giants fans to make sure that they understand that Saquon Barkley is a special player. 
And the Giants have not said otherwise, by the way. No. And, you know, for the people who are saying, ah, the running back, running back is not as important. Oh, they're important. And the Giants know he's knows he's important. They will never make him feel unappreciated. Right. They're just not paying him McCaffrey $16 million a year money. It's just Yet. that ain't happening. Yet. But they're negotiating. Right. And he's not, listen, if he makes 12 or if he makes $13 million, he ain't going to cry with that loaf of bread under his arms. You know, he's not going to say, well, I ain't taking, you know, um, a penny less than X. And if I do, I'm doing it against my better judgment and I'm not going to be a good teammate anymore. Know that when he signs his deal, he is signing a deal that he accepted and everybody feels is fair. I advocate for players to make as much money as they can get. But when it's time, they'll all know it. They will all know it. So don't paint the player as a bad guy for wanting his money. Don't paint the organization, especially an organization that has not said a word about any of their negotiations. They have not said a, you don't hear, well, um, you know, we only have so much to spend and this, that, and the other. This, this organization has been quiet, even in the Daniel Jones discussions. The only thing you heard is he said, Daniel Jones changed agents and everything else was speculative. They got a deal done. Some people thought it was too much. The Giants thought it was fair. They'll get this deal done. Dexter Lawrence, they want to extend, but he's not even up for a contract right now. So how could he feel unappreciated when he knows he is the linchpin of that defense? Sure. They're not going to pay him like he's a walk-on. They're right. negotiating. And remember, a new staff came in and picked up his fifth-year option sight unseen. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, and, and and back to, like, when Micah Parsons is saying, when they sit down on a Monday morning and their defensive coordinator is saying, 26 is the guy we can't let get going. That tells me not only is he appreciated around the league, but his his team knows that too. And these players advocate for each other they want to make they know how much the owners are bringing in from the money you guys are spending on gambling right now right there was a there was some team executive told me now i don't know if it's true or not so i'm not going to say it as fact but a team executive told me that gambling alone last season brought in 400 million per franchise not across the league, 400 million per franchise. So while y'all pocket watching these players and, and, and trying to manage like it's a regular, you know, two family income, uh, the, the team's finances, just understand something. They ain't crying broke. The, the Washington team- Just sold for six billion. Six billion dollars. That's a, I don't know what that multiple is based on the 600 million he paid for, but that's a, that's a pretty damn high multiple. And so while you guys are trying, you guys are managing you got a high from, multiple for ruining one of the most storied franchises yeah. in the NFL. <laughs> so while you guys are managing teams budgets, like it's your household budget, it it's, it's not like that. There's a lot of gold in that pot. 
And the salary cap allows these teams to spend. It's going to go up again. But don't act like, well, this guy ain't worth it. We can't afford to pay him. Yes, you can. And I want these guys to make as much as they can. And these teams will manage it, right? This, this is not a team that's upside down. They didn't give Daniel Jones so much money that they can't build their team or keep their players. When's the last time we've seen the Giants keep draft choices? It's been a while. Yeah, Good players, because, anyway. Right. All right, so we put a bow on that. I want to get to Odell signing with the Ravens and then your Knicks and a little bit of other stuff. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season. They got you covered, all sports wagering, basketball, baseball, NHL, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest, easiest way to get your betting info, live betting options in your favorite casino and card games. You can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device. Get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, and you'll receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So, Carl, um, I know you were, what'd you call it, Project OBJ? Uh, Project uh, well, J-O-B. Project J-O-B. It lands in Baltimore. One year, $15 million guaranteed. I'm shocked. He got that much. I don't think any of the other teams were going there and uh, he can make another 3 million more. So he can earn up to 18 million. Hey, good for him, man. They played it and they stuck to their guns. Yep. He didn't get a multi-year deal, but he got paid. And if Lamar's back in Baltimore, which we expect uh, it's a much needed addition for that offense. Yeah. Well, again, uh, I'm happy he got the money. Uh, and I think a guy like Odell Beckham will prove worthy of it. When healthy, he's still, you know, one of the most dangerous and the most reliable receivers in the league. So um, have no problem with his money. Yeah, we were probably because, again, we weren't hearing reports that anybody was willing to pay that. But his value to a team in, in, in terms of Baltimore was higher than other teams valued him. So they paid what they, they valued him at because – he will be their true number one receiver starting the season. And if a true number one receiver is making $15 million on other teams, nobody's complaining. So um, he'll be their number one guy. Uh, Lamar will come back, hopefully, and he'll have a weapon that will be reliable. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, Baltimore's value system was based on some needs that they 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 had to address. And they did it with a uh, all-star wide receiver. And they did their due diligence. They feel he's healthy. So they're going to pay him accordingly. Simple as that. And listen, he may not be worth it to everybody else or to any other team. But Baltimore, Baltimore addressed a need and that value if they look around the league and what's the average of a number one receiver, if it's upwards of 18, 15, $18 million, they're paying him accordingly because they value him as a number one receiver. The other teams, he was a luxury. Mm -hmm. He was, you know, he was a Porsche. He was a Lamborghini. Um, you pay him if you can afford it. If not, then you need to get something that's reliable. 
because they had number ones. Um, Baltimore didn't have that. So they're paying him number one receiver money because he is their number one receiver, plain and simple. The other teams didn't value it that way because they had number one receivers, simple. Yeah, and I think for Giants fans out there, there you know the bit of nostalgia. There's a lot of Giants fans that would have loved to have seen 13 back, and obviously he could have been one G- of them. Yeah, yeah, I I was rooting for it quite honestly because yeah. he's when he's healthy, he's awesome. Um, but with that said, I think for Giants fans, when they saw the news break um, on Sunday, I think it was. I think I think a lot of Giants fans were bummed that he isn't coming to the Giants. But then they breathe a sigh of relief that he's not that in he, the division. Well, that he wasn't going to the Cowboys and that he wasn't going to the Jets. Right. I mean, because yeah. especially with Rogers, you know, gonna wind up with the Jets or whatever. And I think that would have hurt Giants fans to see 13 wearing Jets colors in MetLife Stadium with him yeah. in Baltimore. It's like, all right, you can let it roll off your back. All right. So I know you have any more on this? I'm I, done. Well, with I mean, I just want to talk a little more football. Because mm-hmm. I think something happened in Florida that was pretty big, non non NFL related, but there was something in Florida that happened really big in the sport of football. I mean, big, big, no, no, big, big. When you know, as as kids, we have those sports moments that we never forget. It's either a high school game or the first home run, or it was some impactful moment that you just never forget something big happened in florida well it's because your man took center stage in my man max tell me about that all right so max about it yeah max is playing uh he's in a lot of different flag football leagues and everything else so he's playing i-9 in ponte vedra and he plays for a team called this spring he's on the team called the patriots so they're playing the avengers and the Avengers hadn't lost a game in two years. So this was the big game on the schedule, right? So uh, it was a hard-fought game. They were down six-zip. Max is playing quarterback, throws a touchdown pass, throws the conversion. So they're up 7-6, and now it's back and forth. It's really intense. Parents are into it. The kids are really into it. This is like one of those games where it's like, you like you felt like you're at an NFL game, right? Yeah. Now I got to credit Max's head coach Joe Bergen and the assistant Anthony because the game was getting tense. Great sportsmanship. They really stressed sportsmanship, and the same thing for the Avengers. It was a hard-fought game, but there was great sportsmanship with the kids in the I nine. So it's it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but it's still seven six, seven six, seven six. And the Avengers have the ball, and one of Max's good buddies, um, Matthew Ferrara from Staten Island, originally, um, comes up with this pick six. I mean, and the ball's hanging in the air, and Matthew's waiting, and everybody's on the sideline, oh, just don't drop it, don't drop it. Not only does he not (laughs) drop it, he catches it, takes it in. They go up 13 to 6. Max made a nice play in the corner of the end zone and knock a pass away. Matthew's twin brother, Michael, had some great flag pulls. And I want to give a shout-out to uh, not only my kids and the Ferrara kids, but Julian, Preston, Landon, Magnus, uh, Michael, and Jackson, who wasn't there. He was sick, but he was rooting on from home. But they handed the Avengers their first loss in two years. And it was awesome. 
I don't think you understand what this is going to mean to that Patriots team as they grow through high school, some in college, they'll be talking about this game for the rest of their lives. Like this is that game where you beat like a team that hasn't lost in two years and you handed them their first loss. They're going to talk about this forever. Hey, Max, good job, buddy. Good job, Patriots. Patriots. Good job. And Avengers, too. Good sportsmanship. Uh, played a great game, but um, Patriots made more of the plays. So there you go. It was, it was such a fun. I could, I'm like, I'm flipping a football, walking up and down, you know, and it, it was unbelievable. But the coaches are great. And they, more importantly, the kids have a lot of fun. And at the end of the day, they all walked out, they got their snack, their little bag of chips. And it was off to uh, the farmer's market and a fun Saturday. So there you go. Way to go, team. Um, now, I got to ask you, because the NBA playoffs are coming up, and I know you're a huge Knicks guy. I grew up a crazy Walt Frazier, yeah. Knicks team, um, and then I was the voice of the Nets, so I kind of lost my Knicks fandom, and I don't really follow the NBA that closely. But can the Knicks make a run, do you believe? I believe the Knicks can win this series. Um, and you know, there's this love-hate relationship with Julius Randle. I'm no exception. But you know what? He's always been, and hopefully he's back. He doesn't miss basketball games. So his availability has been, in large part, why they've had success. Now, the addition of Jalen Brunson and the maturity of, of Quickly has helped them. But, you know, I you can't discount what Julius Randle means to this team. I mean, it's like, when you take a step back, you say, you know what? This guy doesn't miss games. Now he can, early on, he was making some stuff that made you scratch your head. But Jalen Brunson has been like a stabilizer for him personally and for this team. And I think their chemistry right now, they're a tough-minded basketball team where you don't think they're talented. All of a sudden their toughness takes over and they are more talented uh, than people on the outside are giving them credit for. You know, they got some guys that can hit some shots. They rebound well and they defend. So um, everybody's talking Donovan Mitchell this, Donovan Mitchell that. Hey, I, this this Nick team collectively will come out of this series. I, I really believe that. All right. We'll follow their travails and cover it on Believing Giants. I don't want to piss off half the Giant fan base or a part of the Giant fan base, but I'm going to because I'm emotionally involved. I'm like every fan out there that watches a giant game when it comes to the Yankees and when it comes to the Rangers. I just lose my mind watching Rangers games. I pace. Um, they got this unbelievable team, and they got to start off playing the Devils, who have been fantastic, especially been. down the stretch. I mean, this is going to be a battle and royale. They have the home play. ice, the Devils do. Well, they sort of have home ice. So here's what. All right. So you, in hockey, so you get the second line shift, you know, the line, you know, the and all that other stuff. But let's face it. You know it, Carl, having been a net season ticket holder, even when the Nets had those good teams in the old Meadowlands Arena mm -hmm. and the Devils, they've got their loyal fan base. But Nick fans and Rangers fans will be loud in that building. Come the start of the playoffs. Oh, it's going to be wild. Nick fans and Ranger fans always get, will find a way to get tickets. And, you know, unlike when the Rangers and Knicks play at home, 
where it's pretty much Ranger fans and Knicks fans if they play the Nets or they play the Devils or the yeah. Islanders. But when it's the reverse, it's the the worst case scenario is it's 65-35. They get infiltrated by yeah. the opposing team. So all but, I'm going to say is, let's go Rangers. <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% Knicks. Uh, I lived in New Jersey. I live in New Jersey. Um, I was just actually at the Devils last game or two games ago uh, with the folks from PNC, and they were fun to watch. But I have a rooting interest for the Rangers. Um, but, you know, in my business, I, <laughs> I, I like them both. You're rooting for a, apparel. Just buy the yeah, apparel. I had, listen, I had the most incredible, um, the green old school. I know, school, you had the old school, the old school New Jersey Devils, Devils when they first moved jacket. from Colorado. Yeah. They had the green and the red and the white was their color. Then and, and the running joke with the Rangers fans was the Devils were like a skating Christmas tree. That was that that jacket is still the most incredible. So my two favorite hockey, well, I have three hockey uh jersey slash starter jackets that are in my collection that are like trophy pieces. That green devils, the Hartford Whalers. That was my number one jacket of all time. Okay. Um, in the Mighty Ducks. Like those are iconic logos sure has nothing to do with what happens on the ice folks but from an aesthetic standpoint if you are if you're rocking a green devil's jacket and mine is in mint condition by the way um it's special now i i have a few rangers pieces by the way uh but like from a business standpoint those three jackets i just named are collector's items in terms of vintage uh, finds. If you find one of those, they're going to be more expensive than some of the other ones. Good stuff. All right. How do we like to end it? Tell a friend to tell a friend. Believe, believe in, giants. in Giants. For Carl Banks, I'm Bob Papa. Believe in Giants. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.